thank you so much for just, just the way that you're worshiping him. Uh, I was just looking around in the room, and I kind of was just uh, sneaking, and I was just looking at the sons and the daughters uh, during worship, just how you were just worshiping him. And I just want to honor the way that you're honoring his presence, because when you have his presence, you got everything. But if you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And uh, that's always something I, I say that the only eternal activity we are doing here on earth is worship. What I do in regard to mission, mission exists because worship doesn't. But the whole purpose of mission is to bring people into white hot enjoyment of who Papa God is. It's to be able to have an experience with Jesus where they become worshipers in spirit and in truth. And there's going to be one day where you're going to stand before him, represented from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, and every language. The family of families is going to gather before him. And the one thing we're going to do for eternity is worship. But until then, we have an opportunity to bring so many different people to have an encounter with a God that looks just like Jesus. And if you can say the whole assignment for my life is this one thing. I want everybody to know how good Papa God is. And I want every single person in the world to know how loved they are. And that's, that's pretty much what I've given my life for when I'm experiencing His goodness and His kindness and His love. But I want them to experience a God that looks just like Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's what my heart is. So if it is the 1.6 billion Muslims that is around the world, my heart is for them to have an encounter with a Jesus, have an encounter with a God that looks like Jesus, that loves like Jesus, heals like Jesus, a Jesus that is alive. And that happens to ordinary sons and daughters. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for so much. Just even investing and taking the time to looking at some of the videos. Uh, I know I'm just one tiny little player, part of the bigger, bigger picture of what Papa God is doing in the world. And congratulations, you're born for such a time as this. We are living in a time when the kingdom of the Lord is becoming the kingdom of this world. And he's going to rule and reign forever. We're living in a time when the glory of God is about to hover the whole earth as water cover the sea. We're living in the time when this gospel, and by the way, it's the good news, not the bad news. The gospel is the good news. And it is the gospel of the kingdom, not just salvation. I believe in the gospel of salvation. But this is the gospel of the kingdom where King Jesus is going to rule and reign. This gospel in every area of life, is going to be preached as a witness or testimony to all ethnos, all nations, and then the end will come. That was Matthew 24, 14. Just to make this meeting legal, I had to quote the scripture verse. <laughs> when you're hearing that I have an accent, and I'm just going to give a little bit of my story. Uh, my name is Leif Hetland, and I am from the beautiful country of Norway. And for some of you that like Winter Olympics, I think we did pretty okay this year. <laughs> I thought about writing a book on humility. <clears throat> <laughs> and uh, I've been blessed as a Norwegian Viking to be married to Jennifer, who is a Cherokee Indian. And then we have four amazing children and one son-in-law. And we live in Atlanta, Georgia. 
Uh, I'm uh, 52 years old. I spent about 26 years in Norway and 26 years in America. And uh, I love this country. I've traveled to all the 50 states. And uh, through the grace of God and the goodness of God, it's just been amazing to see how just an ordinary Norwegian from a small, tiny little town, and that's one of the reasons I want to encourage us even this morning, because when I'm looking in this room and I'm seeing some of the young people and I'm seeing some of the world changers and the history makers... So within each one of us, there's all this potential that is in there. But one touch from Jesus just changes everything. One word from Jesus just transforms everything. One encounter, suddenly you become an encounter. One transformed life starts to transform lives. And that's why I'm so excited when I'm looking in this room and I'm seeing the generation coming together, that this next move of God's Spirit is a family move. I know there is coming a revival, but this revival is not just a youth revival, but it is actually a family revival. And the biggest thing that we're seeing now, God is restoring the Father. And that's one of the encouragement when I came here to Stage College and realizing, even as I met uh, Pastor Steve and, uh, and also Pastor Teresa, I was over in their home. I think we spent almost five hours together. And I got to hang out with seven of their eight kids. So, so I, I got the majority there, and it was, it was amazing, and their son-in-law for a little bit. But as we were hanging around together, what I saw was family. And when I'm coming here today, uh, today I see family. And uh, we spent a couple of days before uh, this morning service just in the area and bringing the family of families together, because that's what God, God wants his kids back. There is a God that loved this world so much that he would give his only begotten son. And part of the heart of the father is that I want my kids back. And when you see all the sons of Ishmael, when you see all of these people that are living in the wilderness and is out there is just crying out in the wilderness. And that's part of my heart for the Muslim world. And, and my story goes all the way back, as I say, 52 years ago when I came into this world. What I didn't know, my, my mom was pregnant with me. Uh, she suddenly found out that, that she had something very serious going on and she had to have a surgery. And during my four and a half months of uh, being carried by my mom, uh, my mom had fear. So I actually came into this world in fear. And the reason I'm saying this, there's a key into this. If you start to see where the serpent has bitten you, I can tell you where you have authority. The enemy is trying to kill all the baby boys because Moses the deliverer is coming. He's trying to kill all the baby boys because Jesus the Savior is coming. Look into your life and see the area where the enemy has attacked you or trying to come after you. And I can often tell you what your destiny is. Because there's an indicator, and I think there was the same thing in my life, because three years ago I stood there before government of Pakistan and the federal minister, and they awarded me a beautiful award, which was a privilege with having a lot of the Arab community, European leaders, they were there. And I received a award called the Ambassador of Love. It doesn't exist even. But I had to make it up. Because love doesn't exist in Islam. But today we declare we have the Ambassador of Love with us. And I was like... Wow. So I get to represent a God of love as an ambassador representing heaven into the different environments. So when governments and different people, I get to represent Jesus and the love of Jesus there as an ambassador. And it was such a privilege because I knew what is the opposite to fear? It is perfect. What casts out fear? Perfect love casts out fear. So part of my journey as I'm saying started actually by the time I came into this world, there was actually fear. 
primary thing is before the foundation of the world, God knew me and he knew you. And you were predestined in love, Ephesians 1.4. So there was something with each one of us that there was a destiny over your life. And what the enemy is very nervous about is for you to become you. Because when you are stepping into who you were born to be, what Jesus actually purchased, what Jesus wanted to bring back, is for you to be able to step into that place of identity. And out of that identity, you find intimacy. And out of the intimacy, you have inheritance. Inheritance and the nations is an inheritance. Then you would step into your destiny. And I just uh, wanted to encourage each one of us today because there's a destiny over your life. There's a destiny over this family. And when I'm together with us this morning, part of my story started because of some painful things that took place in my life. And I came from a very godly home. My mom actually was assembly of God. My grandparents were assembly of God. So Canada was four generation in that direction. As in 1906, Tommy Barrett came to Azusa Street, came back again to Philadelphia and Oslo, and revival broke loose. And that was part of my mom's background. And my dad was an evangelical free. So I came from a good godly home. And I'm very grateful as a Norwegian to be some of those that grew up with Jesus. But the enemy again tried to do everything to sabotage. And when I was about 12 years old, again, there were some painful things that took place in my life. And pain always seeks pleasure. You're going to try to go for something to fill some of the darkness and pain in your life. And for me, I ended up as a prodigal son. And I'm sharing that because it's connected to the story, the story that is behind the story. I ended up as a prodigal son. I moved away from love, and I moved so far away that at the age of 18, I was a suicidal drug addict. I tried to kill myself. I didn't have any purpose in life. But then came Jesus. He saved me. He healed me. He delivered me. He just set me free. And I fell in love with Jesus. The good news was I got saved The bad news was I went from rebellion to religion. Because I didn't know. So in the next moment I started, I want to live for God. Because I didn't know how to live from God. I learned how to be an achiever, but I didn't know how to be a receiver. And it was nothing wrong, but it was just something that was not right. Because I was getting my value, I was getting my love, what I was doing for Him. Instead of what I was just doing from Him. So this started my next part of the journey. And eventually to make the story, I went to college and seminary and became a pastor. And before later we have a wife and four kids, we moved back again to Norway. And I know this sounds strange, but I ended up as a Baptist pastor. <laughs> so here you are a Norwegian with... Similarly, I've got mama and evangelical free dad, and then I met a Southern Baptist girl. And my father-in-law kind of influenced me to be a Southern Baptist, and then the Holy Spirit came and started to mess with me. (laughs) And then I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit, and just very, very precious. But on June 6, 1995, I'm just showing a couple of stories that leads up to this. I had a heart for mission. I had a calling for mission. So there was something in me, but there was something that was still missing because I didn't have the power. And the whole purpose of the Holy Ghost is a holy go. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witness, so that you can represent me. Starting in your Jerusalem, right here in State College, in your Judea, and even in Samaria, with all these internationalists come among you and then to the uttermost part of the world. So I didn't realize this. And then a man named Randy Clark came to my little town in Norway. My desperation level was greater than my fear level. 
because I had just had a man with stage four cancer, and uh, he died of stage four cancer. And it was so painful for me because I knew if Jesus had been in his room, something different would have changed. And I knew everything about Jesus, but I realized when I stood before him and he was eaten up by stage four cancer, and he said, Pastor, Pastor, can you pray for me? And I even felt sorry for myself. I had lowered the expectancy level over and over and over again because I couldn't handle the pain of disappointment. And I didn't want to expect too much of Jesus that he was going to do a lot of great things because if I expected, I had hoped that this was going to happen. And I'd had some funerals before at that moment. So this is kind of the story that led to this meeting where I came to. In June 6, 1995, I carried a picture with me as a memory stone about what God did. This was kind of the shift or tipping point in my life. And so in this meeting, I heard the stories about God working and God moving and what Jesus was doing in a nation. And I wanted to be part of that. And when he had an invitation, I was one of the many people that came up. Here was the Assembly of God pastor in the area. Here was the Lutheran and here was the Methodist and different one. We stood up there and says, I want, there's something more than I'm experiencing in my life. I want more Jesus, more of you. And as I stood in the line, Randy Clark started touching, bless him. And one after the other person boom, went on the floor. I thought, this is very unusual. We didn't see much of that in my Baptist church. <laughs> but one person after the other just had an encounter. And when he came to me, instead of just this person touch him, bless him, film, he came to me and he stopped. And he said, you are a bulldozer. And I'm thinking, no, no, I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> I didn't know much about prophecy at the time. But he says, you, I see you as a bulldozer. And you're going to go into the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been. And you're going to make a way where there is no way. And I'm going to take you into those places where the gospel has never been. And then you're going to create a road where thousands of people are following after you into those places and change the environment. And then the next moment, I'm on the floor shaking in. And it was electricity and fire, electricity and fire. And it was a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it was a baptism of fire. And when I came after two hours, just still could feel it. Something had changed in my life. I was transformed. But from that moment on, we went there and started to see, wow, it was the first stage four cancer I saw. And I'm going to make this story short, but this is a couple of highlights that I wanted to do today. When I came out of that place, about six months later, after starting to see healing, and Jesus started to show up in my Baptist church, and we had some bikers in the area that was connected to Hell's Angel, Hell's Angel. They just got saved, and they were being delivered from drugs, and heroin addicts were set free, and it was just a phenomenal time. And, but I knew my calling at that moment was to go into the darkest places, and I, I didn't know how to do it. And then a man, a, a prophet, came up and says, I see a million Muslims that is going to meet Jesus because of you. And you need to understand, my dream was to see my Baptist church go from 185 to 200. <laughs> I know I was a very big dreamer. But the problem, we had a few funerals, and then I had to go out and witness more. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of sweat. But then now, after this encounter, something is changing. And then somebody says, you're going to see a million. I, I didn't know one Muslim. And to be honest, at that time, Peter, I didn't even like Muslims. So what I was watching on television, I just had a prejudice. But God did something in my heart. And then my first trip to the Middle East, first trip to Pakistan, is 22 years ago. So it's been a long journey. But the first time I came in there, something just changed that day. I remember they carried a quadriplegic on a stretcher. 
a group of six Muslim friends, and they put them on the top of a bus, on the bus, because it was full on the bus, so on the stretcher, seven hours to the meetings where we were at. And in this meeting, eventually they brought them, then the presence of Jesus started to fill this area. And I never forgot when the presence of Jesus came, waves and waves started to touch people, blind eyes opened up. And you need to understand, this Norwegian had not seen so much of these things before. But I remember this group came towards us with beards and it was kind of a scary. And I thought, I am about to die right now. <laughs> but the closer they came, and I was thinking about my wife and kids, but the closer they came, they started to shout, Jesus. And that's when I saw this person. I still have a video from it. He came there. And I started to hear the stories of the testimony of Jesus. And they had never heard of the name of Jesus. But I saw him, this quadriplegic, when he was walking. Blind eyes opened up. Tumors disappearing from people's body. And at that moment, it's like you're feeling like the disciple. You've been fishing all night and you're getting so little. And then you're learning the Jesus way of fishing. And it's hard to go back afterwards. So something changed in me at that moment. I, was, it's kind of, I got the mission virus. And it is contagious. And then suddenly this mission epidemic started to break loose because on the inside of me, I knew I was born for such a time. It's like a fish in water. There's glory when you see it swim. It's an eagle in the sky. But if you have an eagle in a cage, it's not very beautiful. And the same also with sons and daughters. You and I, when we are in the presence, when we are in the glory, we become alive. That's where we move and that's when we exist. That's what it's all about. It's just His presence. So something happened. But that night, there was one lady one lady that captured, she opened up her burqa, and I still have a picture in my office as a memory stone. And she has this kind of a round face, but when she's opened up the burqa and she looks at me and she said, I, I prayed a prayer and I received Jesus. And I'm thinking, yes. And she said, I also got healed. And I'm thinking, oh, it's wonderful. We had a translator. And then she said, from the joy of her salvation and the joy of her healing, she said, how long have you known about this Jesus? And I was thinking, my country, Norway, we just celebrated 1,000 years. We've had Jesus there for a long time. And in America, hundreds of years. And she said, why didn't you come earlier? Why didn't you come earlier? She said, my, son, my husband died last year, and he never got to hear about Jesus. And my son died two years ago. He never got to know about Jesus. What's going to happen to them? And then the people in my village, they've never heard about this Jesus. I've lived my whole life, I've never heard of Jesus. Why didn't you come earlier? It just hit me. Why didn't you come earlier? During those three days, we saw 22,400 people to say yes to Jesus. But it's that one lady, I never forgot that. It was in me, and that started this journey of some of the things that Papa God was doing. And I'm going to make this story. It was not that easy because now the enemy knew that it was destiny over my life and he tried to stop it and uh, ended up with a broken neck. Later on, a broken back, a body cast and nine months and all the surgery. And by the year 2000 came along and I'm just giving a couple of these practical stories. By the year 2000, I've been to 54 countries and was burned out and broken. My body was broken and we're having taking opiates just to make it. And, and pretty much what I didn't realize that I was pretty much an orphan on the inside. Good parents, but I lived with an orphan heart because there was a place in my life where I was not comfortable with love. And when there's places in your life that is not comfortable with love, those areas you're not comfortable with God because God is love, 1 John 4, 16. And this led to another encounter that is connected. I'd had a baptism of the Spirit, baptism of fire, earlier baptism of water, 
But I had read about D.L. Moody. I read about Charles Finney. I read about these people that talked about this liquid love and the baptism of love. And I knew Jesus before he healed any sick. He had the affirmation of his father. This is my beloved son, whom I love and whom I am well pleased. That was before he had done anything. That means he had an A plus before he took the exam. This kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And you can become a joyful Christian and maybe the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. But I'm so grateful for this love encounter because I was going, but I want you to know I lived out of duty, not delight. I lived with pressure instead of his pleasure. So anyway, year 2000 came along and I was broken. I couldn't do anything anymore. And that's when I had an encounter with a liquid love and Papa's love. And I met the father. And he just totally transformed this Norwegian from the inside out. Because now when I'm comfortable with love, these waves and waves of liquid love and the audible voice from heaven as a slave, you're my, you're my beloved, you're my beloved son, son. Not servant, not apostle, not missionary, no. You're my beloved son. I love you. And I am well pleased with you. I'm saying that is the biggest secret. Because now when I'm getting comfortable and I have a view of God that looks like Jesus. When I met the Father, then I got to see me the way Papa God sees me. And certainly before I looked at Islam as a problem, now I saw it as a promise. Before I was able to see the terrorist Saul, but now I could see the Apostle Paul. You don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. And something shifted inside this Norwegian. I came up from there. And then first I started to repent. Then I went to my wife because if I didn't do enough, my wife didn't do enough, my kids didn't do enough. This was part of the pattern that started to, to, to just, it was a lifestyle I was living. So now I started to, to just apologize every place where I misrepresented love. Because if you met me in 99, everything was about the assignment, what we needed to do and finish the unfinished task. But now everything was about the alignment. My focus was no longer what I needed to do, but just what I needed to be. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. So now I'm a son, and I'm a beloved son, and my papa loves me. He likes me. He delights in me, and I get to dream with him. He said, ask of me, Psalm 2.8, and I will give you the nations. And I have been performing for it. I've been out there fighting and almost dying and almost losing my family. And now I got an invitation to come with Papa God as a son. Ask of me, son, and I will give you the nation. And I start to ask for nations. But how do I receive it? He says, ask of me, we'll give it. So if it is a gift, you can only receive a gift. And it is a gift to be received. So I'm started to ask. And now he started to give me strategy. He started to give me. So when I started going in, and this started my journey. And And it is being led by the Spirit. Those that are being led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. And I'm just going to tell a couple of stories that was kind of a part of the new me, but that was in 2000. It was a phenomenal journey, very painful journey, because the enemy so many times tried to attack, and the enemy tried to stop us and killed some of our closest people. And there were so many times I wanted to give up. But when you have a big enough yes, it is easy for you to say no. 
And I had experienced such a big yes in regard to his love. Now I want everybody to know how good he is and how loved they are. Actually, what he started to teach me also, how do you love them without any agenda? How does love without a hook? Because I was kind of like a salesperson that is going to sell a better message than I thought they had. And I didn't do too well. So now every time the enemy attacked, and it was attack, I rented a cricket stadium like I think you saw last week. So I'm renting a cricket stadium and said, Jesus is going to be in this stadium. And I knew that, God, that's not a very good strategy. <laughs> because I know if Jesus shows up, I get killed. But if Jesus doesn't show up, I get killed. And I don't think my wife would approve of that. So the Holy Spirit started to give me some of his strategy. So we rented the stadium and told him, Jesus is going to be here. Bring the quadriplegic, bring the blind, bring everyone, and you're going to watch what Jesus is going to do. And I'm kind of nervous. I wonder if he's going to show up. <laughs> and then you started to see God working and God moving. And something started to change with the environment. And first night, you may have 7,000 people that came in. Then the rumor starts to spread. Jesus is here. He's alive. Our boy was quadriplegic. Our daughter was blind, and sometimes the miracles in the front of people's eyes, and then afterwards, they just started to experience that Jesus is alive. We saw him. He was there. We saw the miracle, and people started to get to know who he was. But I also realized that Joseph became a father to Pharaoh, and he changed the whole nation. Daniel influenced Nebuchadnezzar, so I started to ask the father, Father, I mean, even if we do a grassroots movement, we build a church, they just tear it down. So I realized I need some wisdom here, Papa, because if I don't have favor with governments, if I don't have favor with the Muslim leadership, if I don't have favor, not just there, but in a lot of this nation, if we don't influence all aspects of life, we need to influence in the school system, the arts and media and entertainment, the marketplace, every aspect of life, we need to bring the kingdom. King Jesus needs to be king in all those areas. If not, you have a lot of people who are saved, and they're getting to heaven. But if we don't know how to bring heaven to earth, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm going to just read a couple of scripture verses that I think is going to help with this. But I, I give you one of the practical stories that I wanted to, to put together with you. I was sitting actually and watching in the Middle East on television. And in several of the nations when I came, the same person was on the TV screen. And I'm just giving you this shift of paradigm, the new glasses that I had on. So when you see these scripture verses, this has kind of become, it's not just that I study these verses, the verses studying me. And it was a season how the verse, it was not just me having it, it is how it got me and got hold of me because so many times I'm being overwhelmed by circumstances, including just in December, ISIS and some suicide bombers went in the church, blew themselves up, killed seven of our people, wounded 64 of our people. And that was my day of rest after a long year being on the road. So when you're being overwhelmed by something, whatever overwhelms you shapes you. And so many different times I had to learn that when I'm being overwhelmed by my circumstances, is learning how to be overwhelmed by His presence. Being overwhelmed by his love. So the perfect love. So whatever you're beholding is what you're becoming. And what you become is what you release. So I was watching on television. And I can be honest with you. I was a little tired. And instead of being anointed, I was a little annoying. Instead of having the dove resting on me, there was pigeons everywhere. 
I hadn't slept for a long time, and I was tired, and then there was this early prayer going on all over, and I couldn't sleep, and I just felt like, oh, God, I need some rest. And I can be honest, I started to be crippled by fear. I started to get crippled by the circumstances. At that moment, they had burned down 200 Christian homes and 80 businesses, and I'm supposed to be going in in the middle of the flames and kind of change different. I, I don't even want to be here, and I want to be home with my wife. And one of my kids, they were having a birthday at home, and I want to be home. And in the middle of what was going on, I'm watching on television this imam that was just all over the news, and every day he is all over, including in America. And the Holy Spirit just whispered to me, he says, Leif, and I'm trying to find CNN or something, but there was no, it was like one clergy after the other. So when I looked at him, the Holy Spirit whispered, I want you to meet him. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to meet him. I want to sleep. <laughs> Again, I heard a whisper of the Holy Spirit, Leif, I want you to meet him. And I first complained, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And finally, I thought, okay, I'm going to be obedient. So I sent my coordinator to his headquarter, and he came back, and he said, It's impossible. We couldn't get to the secretary of secretary. And they said, I want to see you. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> I was obedient, but now I can sleep. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, no, Leif, I didn't ask you to try to see him. I said, I want you to see him. And I just repented. Repent. I went back to the penthouse where I belong. Repent. <laughs> Why living in the basement when you can live in the penthouse? Repent. Metanoia, change the way you think, Leif. It's time for you to think the way I think about this. Turn on the TV, and I'm looking at it. What do you see? And I knew when the Holy Spirit said, what do you see? It's not because the Holy Spirit cannot see. It's that he wants me to see what Papa's seeing. He wants me to have sunglasses on, S-O-N. He wants me to have Christological glasses to see somebody where Jesus sees them. So I'm looking on a TV screen. And I'm listening, and I'm trying to hear from the Father. What, what do you see, Papa? And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I see a man of peace. I see a peacemaker. I see an ambassador of peace. And I start to speak to the TV screen in my hotel room. And then the Holy Spirit said, what are you going to do about it? And I said, oh, I got it. And I'm going to give him the International Peace Award of the Year. And that's exactly what we did. So we contacted his headquarter and said, hey, he has won the International Peace Award of the Year. I don't want to mention his name because he's well-known all over the world. There was no manipulation. That's how Papa God sees him. And when I started seeing him, and when I start to love what Papa God loves and love the way he loves with his love, something starts to change in the atmosphere. And to make that story short, we ended up, and it's hard for me without crying on this, we ended up at his headquarters. There's 400 imams on one side, and the women with Burke on one side, and I presented the International Peace Award. And something happened with him and the atmosphere. When we are suddenly being a prophetic people, that suddenly starts to treat people based upon their destiny. And something changed in the atmosphere. He took my hand and we walked out of there. All these imams following, following us. And I know that I heard that David Wilkerson was part of founding this place. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips, who was his executive pastor for 12 years at Times Square Church, he was with me over in this meeting. And we were together there and then it was just incredible because later on, three years later, the U.S. government was having a meeting in Washington, D.C., and this imam came and he said, can I come to your place? And, and I said, yes, come, come down and see us. And in my room, we were just sitting there and talking, and he was reading from the Al-Quran. And as he was reading some of the surah from the Al-Quran, verses from the Al-Quran, in the next moment, the presence of Jesus just fills the office. 
And I was just thinking, this is not a good time. <laughs> Because I started to feel a little, ooh. <laughs> and it got thicker and thicker. And finally, he looks at me and he said, whoa, what is going on? I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and so I feel this tingling. It's like these waves. And at that moment, I just had a little word of knowledge. I want you to pray for him. I had enough favor over the years to pray for him, but not to touch him. That was just wisdom. So I put my hand over his head. I said, could I pray? And I said, in the name of Jesus, just fill him up right now. Touch him, Jesus. What I didn't know, this heat went in, touched his stomach. And he was healed from a food condition he had struggled with for 12 years. And when we got to Wyndham Hotel in Peachtree City, Georgia, and I walked in there, the next morning he says, I want you to come to my room. And I'm thinking, am I in trouble? <laughs> and I walked into his room, and then he said, and his, his two wives, with work and nine children, is on Skype. And he says, I want them to experience what I experienced yesterday. And I'm there on the computer and release, and the presence of God filled his room in the Middle East. And it did something in my heart. But here's these verses that I think is going to just help us. That I'm not going to be very long, but just give you a little outline. If you can open up, because this is a lifestyle. But I, I knew I had to shift the message when the songs was here. Because I, I knew that there's enough of Jesus in each one of us. The Christ in us that is the hope of glory around us. And I want everybody in State College to know how good he is and how loved they are. And I believe these verses is going to be just something that is going to be with you. It's going to be in you. And some of you are just going to have an incredible encounter with his presence today. Other ones just going to experience the peace of Jesus. Some of you just need some of the provision of Jesus. But if you can follow me just for a few moments. I actually just tore my Bible here. I got so excited. John chapter 20. And we're going to start from verse 19. And I think even you're going to get to see it on the screen. The story here is these disciples that had been with Jesus. Imagine the disciple that has been with Jesus for over three years. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. They've seen Jesus, how he raised the dead. I can imagine even some of the disciples that was there when Lazarus being raised from the dead. That when he said, Lazarus, come forth. I'm glad that Jesus didn't say just come forth because every person would come out of the grave. But these disciples had been there, they have seen it, even it was through their hands the miracle was taking place. But now we are seeing this passage, this when the pastor was reading from Mark earlier, it's a very similar passage. This is after the resurrection. The disciples are in this room crippled by fear. So I'm just giving you the background. They are in fear. The guys that has been with Jesus. And it is totally possible for every one of us that spend years with Jesus, years of being part of this church, knowing everything about Jesus. Perhaps you have had encounters in the past. You have seen it. But many of us, we are right now being overwhelmed by our circumstances. So let me ask you a question before I read. Is there anyone in this room that needs a breakthrough in any area of your life? Let me see. Some of you makes me nervous because I need you to pray for me afterwards. If there's no upgrade needed in your life. But here as you're seeing, these disciples are about to get an upgrade and a breakthrough. So let's start here from verse 19. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Say when the doors were shut. Where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews. Say fear. Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, peace, peace be with you. When he said that, he showed them his hands and his sides. 
The Bible says, then, then the disciples were glad when they saw it was the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said that, he, he breathed on them and said, receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, this is one of those verses, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. The situation here, the disciples are being overwhelmed. They're being overwhelmed by fear. They're in this room that is just full of fear. The Bible says that Jesus just, he doesn't knock on the door because he is the door. The presence of Jesus just fills the room. And this is part of my life. Every time I'm being overwhelmed, the first thing I stop for a moment is to fill this room with the presence of Jesus. Because when you have his presence, it changes everything. So the first thing we see is his presence that fills that room. Jesus just appears among them and fills and changes the environment with his presence. The second thing is, say his presence. Number two is his peace. And so many of us in the middle of what's going on, it's just we have noise here and noise there and we cannot hear his voice. Fear for the future, shame from the past. There's so much noise around us. So what Jesus impart, not just his presence, his peace. He says, peace, peace be with you. Peace be to your mind. Peace be to your heart. Peace to your home, to your marriage. So he releases peace. From his presence, there is his peace. The third thing, provision. He showed them his hands and his side. And this is a very key for every one of us. If I had a moment and asked you, what is your problem? What do you need? Somebody said, I need healing. Somebody else I, who heard about the story about the couple that needed supernatural provision. Whatever is your need right now, I need a little bit of help right now. Or, I feel a little bit weak right now. Or, I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Look at his hands and his side. What it means with that is he says, I am. That's what this means. I am. Whatever is your issue, I am. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your provider. I am your sufficiency. I am, I am, I am. So whatever need that I see out there when I go there, I look at the I am. And he only responds back. And when you see that's a covenant, what he shows the disciples. He showed them his hands and his side. He showed them, I have my provision for anything that you need. But it starts with his presence. Then his peace. Then looking at his provision. And when you see his provision, the Bible says, they became glad. You're getting a new passion. Wow. I've had broken neck, broken back. There's all these circumstances. I have scars all over this Norwegian body, including I had a tumor. Lost 46 pounds laying there until the presence just filled my office and the glory came in and this pale eight days before my surgery. I was going to die, and I knew I was going to die. But when the glory came in, it just changed everything. Because the presence of Jesus filled that office. Then his peace, then his provision came in. And eight days before my surgery, my face started to glow, and I looked in the mirror. And I just knew I can't die. He is here. The provision that gave me passion back. I still had surgery. I still have a reminder. But the tumor changed nature. And shrank one inch. 
His provision gives His passion. And I think some of us, it starts just, we need a fresh encounter with His presence. Some of us just need His peace. If we're going to be peacemakers, that's what we do. Wherever we walk, we have issues of peace. We're stepping in. Blessed are the peacemakers. They are the sons and daughters. Wherever we go, where there's conflict situation, we bring peace because we are at peace. And we're peaceful. Not based upon what we do, based upon what we've received. I don't know if you see, but they've received His presence. They've received His peace. He released Peace be on you. His provision. Then again, his passion. Say his passion. And then the next thing that happened, double for your trouble. He gave them another round of peace. Peace be on you. All of this is alignment. Presence. Peace. Provision. Passion. Peace. Now he said, as the Father sent me, Now I'm going to send you. Each one of you are going to represent me in the same way as I represented the Father. And I can sure this is his purpose. Now you're getting overwhelmed, not just by his presence, overwhelmed by his peace, overwhelmed by his provision, overwhelmed by his passion, now overwhelmed again by his peace. Now you're being overwhelmed by his purpose. That each one of us has a purpose to represent the Father in the same way as Jesus did. And I'm sure that some of you would say, wow, that's mission impossible. And he says, yes, come on. Assembly of God. That's why you need the Holy Ghost. So he breathes on them with a new power for a new assignment. And some of us, we just need a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them and says, receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you, if Steve, if you forgive the sins of Annie, they will be forgiven. If you forgive. I thought if God forgives. No, he said to the disciples, your view towards the world has all to do with how I treat it. If you forgive the sins of Annie, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of Annie, they will be retained. And this became a verse that touched me. I remember on television One of the preachers on television said, if God does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was thinking in my heart, the problem in Sodom and Gomorrah was not how evil the sin was, but the lack of righteous. And Abraham went in, if we have 50 righteous, we can change this place. If we have 45 righteous, of course, God says, if it is 40 righteous, and there's enough righteous here to bring a tipping point to this city. The five cities, now there are six, but five cities that the believers believe deserves the most judgment was San Francisco. It was Hollywood. It was Las Vegas. It was New Orleans. It was New York City. Put it in another terminology. The cities that the believers have judged the most, have experienced the most judgment. Not because it is the will of God. But if we're coming into an agreement with a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, instead of Jesus that came to give life and life more abundantly. If you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. So here's my heart. And what I do is when I'm going in and I see what these Muslims deserve, I say, Jesus, can you take that on me? So that's the ministry of reconciliation. We're standing between. That's the priestly realm of us. 
Yes, we are royal priesthood. And this is what I have the honor and enjoyment of going into all over the world, 96 countries now, to be able to come in. And first, you're a lamb, because Jesus is a lamb, but he is also a lion. But when you roar, it comes from the lamb's heart because you love these people and you only have authority over what you love. I want us to stand to our feet and because I wanted this to be an invitation. Uh, I honor and I appreciate the way that you're helping to invest. But I do feel with each one of our lives right now, this is a lifestyle. I'm talking about, I wanted you just to see the lifestyle that I'm talking about. It starts with, I'm all about the presence of Jesus. I am being overwhelmed like many of you are being overwhelmed. Sometimes I'm being overwhelmed to see how big Goliath is, that if I, big, I forget to see how big God is. And when you're getting overwhelmed, it starts to shape you. And right now we're going to be overwhelmed by His presence. And I'm going to just ask you individually speaking, if you're sensing that I do want to experience His presence in a new way, there's an area in your life or there's an area in your home, but I just need Jesus to fill that room. Saved, yes, but you just recognize, I just need him to fill me with his presence. Somebody else has just experienced, I need peace. There's an area in my life, I don't have peace. There's constantly noise and there's tension. And he's going to impart his peace to you today. If you need healing in your body, if you need provision, He's standing there with his hands on his side today and say, Hey, I took care of this. I am. And you will respond back again, You are. And State College will say, He is. When you capture the I am, then the only response back is worship, You are. And the world around us will say, He is. And if you're sensing, I need some new passion in my life, I've lost. Some of that passion, it starts with his presence. Then receive his peace. Then see his provision, whatever you need. Then receive his passion. It is his passion, the passion of Jesus. Whoa. And then another round of peace. And then he said, now as the Father sent me, here I am. And that's going to be, I don't live in fear. I'm a son. I get to represent my Father. And when I don't know what to do, I just receive more of his power, more of his Holy Spirit. And then I get to represent him. If you forgive the sins of Annie, in our homes, reconciliation, in our community, reconciliation, we have a spirit that I represent the Father before the people and the people before the Father as sons and daughters. If you are sensing, I just want to be overwhelmed by his presence, his peace, but I also need his provision today. I want us just to come and fill up the front then. I know we're going to dismiss us in a few minutes, but I sense in this is, I don't want to be the only here. You have a Norwegian that you see up here. I'm just an ordinary person like you that are being overwhelmed with a lot of things that is happening around us. I just need his presence in my life. And I need him to fill me, fill my life with his presence. This is not about working harder or striving more or flapping. This is about receiving. And we're just going to spend a few moments, but I'm just sensing here. We're going to take some time and let him just fill whatever room you need to be filled with his presence. That's what happened in my hotel room that day. The video you saw with 87,000 people, I think you saw in the video, was another one of those. I went into the hotel room and I just waited. I just waited till his presence came. 
because I couldn't go out. There was something I didn't have. But then his presence just started to fill me. <laughs> there it is. You just rest. Whoa, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Holy Spirit, there it comes just a little bit here. Holy Spirit, just come now and fill us up. I have seldom experienced so much hunger and thirst for his presence as I have when I came to state college. And it's very restful, as you see. When we are resting, he is working. And when you say some of these people, if you're not used to this, they're just laying down. They're just resting. They're just resting because we need to rest to receive. And you don't have to rest there. You can sit and rest. But we're just entering into this resting place where we just rest in his love. So just I'm asking at this very moment, come and just fill us with the presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. Just honor Pastor Steve. I just honor him. I just celebrate him. Father, I just thank you for the way that he's paid the price. But I just release, even at this moment, that the very peace, the very shalom, the, say, the completeness, fill him. Yeah, there you are. Papa. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So, Father, just all over this place, just take us deeper, deeper, deeper into your presence. We're just, all we're doing is resting in his presence so we can receive his peace. <laughs> Baba, yeah. Even the childlikeness, the innocence back. And I just even seen there's a lot of people that's been disappointed. And as a result, we didn't expect too much because a feeling that he's just want to take away disappointments. And he's restored and disappointment to be divine appointments. So Holy Spirit just starts to fill us up. There, yeah, more, more. Just fill us up and